0: Attention patriots, broadcasting from the free zones, radio free redoubt begins in 5, 4, 3, 2, Fearing liberty loving patriots, welcome to Radio Free Redoubt, the weekly podcast being broadcast streamed from patriot held territory inside the American Redoubt from an undisclosed location. Hopefully, you guys had a blessed weekend and a great week last week. Lots going on in the news cycle. There's several things I'm going to cover, uh, but. I'm looking forward to this. Uh, I will not be talking about this, the new FBI warnings of MAGA patriots in the news and commentary. I want to carry that over to segment two and kind of use that as the baseline for the discussion that I want in segment two, revisiting our American heritage and what the founding fathers had to say. In fact, the founding fathers who were declared terrorists insurrectionists, rebels. They were hunted, they were shot, they were hanged, and they had a death decree signed by the King of England to relentlessly hunt them down, seize their property, kill them when they found them, imprison them, displace their families. And these guys all had so much to lose. A discussion came up this week. You know, when will Americans push back? Well, because, well, it hasn't hurt them enough yet. Uh, They still have a good lifestyle. They still have too much. When they feel like their back's against the wall and they have nothing left to lose, then you'll really see the the fangs come out. The Founding Fathers had everything to lose. They had shipbuilding businesses. They had merchant businesses. They had all kinds of uh, uh, farms, ranches. They had wealth they had a lot to lose. They laid it all on the line. When they said, we pledge our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor, they had each of those in abundance, and they laid it on the line. So you know, I, I, I think that uh, we don't have the caliber of American citizens today that we had then, uh, largely God-fearing people. It was a, clearly uh, the colonies were, were overwhelmingly... Uh, 90% plus Christian, of course. So anyway, it's just, uh, it's it's different to our roots and talk about that. And so I'll be doing that in segment two. In segment three, we'll talk about communications, uh, a brief review of the exercise that took place last week. It was a great success. Uh, sorry about that. My audio is dropping out uh, in a couple places there. But if you remember back in January of this year, 2022, uh, there was a massive uh, volcano eruption that took place under the, under the ocean uh, off the coast of Tonga, the, the islands out there, and it, uh, it hurled them into no communications uh, for quite some time. And they were saying it could take up to a year to rebuild that. So it, it, there, there's a, a couple articles about uh, shortwave radio and how that came into play for communicating during that event and uh, I'll, I'll talk about that. We could, you know, face uh, communications disruption uh, type of events from you what know, well, we have, our own volcanoes uh, here on the mainland in, in the United States, in the Pacific Northwest, the earthquakes, hurricanes, something that could, or, or a cyber attack, anything that could affect us nationally or regionally or multiple regions. So uh, we talk about communications quite a bit, you know, many of our Listeners are members of Ameron or they're just interested in emergency communications in general. And uh, of course, a lot of our Ameron members uh, listen regularly as well. So yeah, some lessons learned there and uh, I'll share that also. So let's get into the news and commentary. Brought to you by Prepping 2.0, the podcast with Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher, helping to take your preps. To the next level. And the website is prepping to zero.com. Uh, several stories here I want to hit on uh, as our borders lay wide open, and Kerry Lake has taken the the primaries in Arizona. Now the Arizona governor, the current Arizona governor, at least until November, wants to pretend like he uh, he's actually going to act like a governor and protect the border. The Arizona governor closes the gap in the border wall. Governor Doug Ducey began a construction project designed to close some of the gaps in the federal border walls. A little too late. Too little too late there, Governor. That's why the citizens of Arizona are giving you the boot. Uh, By the time uh, Carrie Lake is elected governor, there will be troops on the border. Uh, Arizona National Guard, she says, will be activated and they will declare war because this is an invasion and they have the constitutional right to do so <clears throat> a lot of eyes over the last week have been on donald trump's god the bible the bible was the premier textbook for grammar for for reading and writing in the foundation of this country. A North Dakota school board has put an end to reciting the Pledge of Allegiance before each meeting because members complained that the patriotic verse is problematic since it has the words, under God. On Tuesday, the Fargo school board voted 7-2 to 2 to stop reciting the Pledge of Allegiance. Can you believe that? Well, keep separating yourself further and further from God and see what happens. It's not going to be good. From Fox News, lawmakers, U.S. lawmakers, just, what, 12 days after Nancy Pelosi pulled her stunt over there in Taiwan, a group of five U.S. lawmakers landed unannounced, landed in Taiwan on Sunday, led by Senator Markey, from a Democrat from Massachusetts to meet with top Taiwan officials throughout the day. And this is with uh, a Samoan delegation to Congress also was part of this. Nothing like, uh, you know, uh, poking the bear or or poking the dragon in the eye, right? In from Bright Bart News, you know, we're running out of places to shop and products to buy. Of all, of all companies, this one actually was a stunner for me. Toyota, probably one of the arguably most reliable vehicles manufactured that are on the road today. Toyota sponsors lesson on first steps of drag artistry for children. Toyota sponsored an event for LGBTQ plus youth that featured a workshop on "quote the first steps of becoming a fabulous drag performer." Close quote. Let's move on. Along those lines, uh, in the uh, you can't trust anybody anymore. Not like you could ever trust these guys, but the Gateway Pundit is reporting that CPS, a CPS, that's Child Protective Services. They're, they ostensibly exist to protect children. So the CPS employees caught on video encouraging a 14-year-old girl in foster care to become a prostitute. A Children's Protective services employee was caught on camera telling a 14 year old girl in foster care at a Harris County hotel to become a prostitute. Houston, Texas, mother of nine children handed one of her troubled teen girls over to CPS. So she goes into foster care and now they're trying to pimp her out. This is the kind of stuff that, I mean, Well, I have to be really careful, but let's say this angers me to no end. Uh, good thing, though, from the New York Post, and this has got the the Marxists, the the baby killers, just spun up. The Idaho Supreme Court, apparently now, is allowing the strict, near total abortion ban to take effect in Idaho. Uh, you guys know the Idaho state had passed. Oh, several years ago, passed a trigger law, a ab- uh, pro-life trigger law. So what this means is, if at any time Roe versus Wade is ever turned over, this law banning abortion be- goes into effect. And I think it was a 30 or 45-day trigger. So from the day that Roe versus Wade was overturned, 30 or 45 days, this law goes into effect, and it shuts down almost all abortion. Uh, there, there's, And the left are just really spun up over it. So that's, that's a good thing. Let them. Let them be spun up. Uh, here's something interesting from the USA News. The majority of independents believe that the FBI raid on Trump's home was political and are now more motivated to vote. I think we're going to see motivations to vote uh, like you've never seen. come November, I believe that the uh, the leftists are they're, they're really scared to death of what's going to happen in November. And then finally, if you haven't heard about this, from D- DJ HJ media. The Bredoubt report picked up on this one. Nancy Pelosi's son, Paul Pelosi Jr., is the second largest investor in a twenty-two million dollar Chinese company. Uh, there were words of uh, Nancy Pelosi's son and Joe Biden's son, John Kerry's son, and others. Involved in Ukrainian businesses, uh, usually around the energy sector, being on these boards and committees making insane amounts of money just for being on these boards. And, of course, the Soros-connected fact-checkers are debunking it. This is debunked. Rumor, Nancy Pelosi's son and Hunter Biden were on this board for such-and-such, Uh, And they say debunked, not true. Well, it's not true. If you read way down into their explanation, it's that Nancy Pelosi's son was on the board of a different energy company in Ukraine, not the same board of the same energy company that Hunter Biden was on. So this is debunked. Nothing to see here. Move along. All of these traders in Washington, D.C., are lining their own pockets and their children's, their adult children's pockets with all of these hokey deals over there in Ukraine. And I feel bad for the people of Ukraine, but that government in Ukraine has got to go. It is a European Union, uh, NATO deep state puppet. And it's a playground where all of the deep state. Are getting insanely wealthy. Not to mention the additional 150 billion, 650 billion, 400 billion more for Ukraine. It's all just going into a black hole. And so this has got to end. This has got to end. And I think it will end as soon as the Republicans take the Senate and the House. Uh, The Democrats are really very and rightfully scared about that happening. So we'll see what happens i don't know there aren't any solutions in washington dc well that's for sure but they washington dc sure can make things worse and they are this is the voice of the american redoubt segment two coming right up stay right there
1: I'm
0: The fourth obligation is to understand propaganda techniques, as used by both the communist and the socialist. Today we received news that our economy had zero percent inflation in the month of July. Zero percent. Thousands of good, loyal Americans have been duped into actually aiding the communists. Welcome back, everyone, to Segment 2 of Radio Free Redoubt. And Segment 2 is brought to you by Selkirk Mountain Real Estate, helping patriots like you get strategically relocated to the northern part of the panhandle of Idaho. If that's where you're looking to get strategically relocated to, uh, check them out. SelkirkMountainRealEstate.com. And uh, I'm sorry, too. I just noticed that uh, I dropped a big chunk of Segment 1 in the news and commentary. I don't know. What happened? I got this little pop-up saying that competing for resources, uh, you had an audio dropout. I don't, I don't know. I don't don't know what I said, so I don't know what you missed. But uh, we'll just we'll move on. You got the point, right? Okay. So, in the news, we've got this warning being put out by the FBI. All the news agencies are picking up on this. This one in particular, I wanted to focus on. A listener sent this in, a regular long-time listener. And this one's from the Daily Mail out of the UK. And this is the headline. FBI Bulletin warns of dirty bomb threat and increasing calls for civil war in the wake of Mar-a-Lago raid while former agent and GOP Representative Brian Fitzpatrick says agencies warned him that his life was in danger due to threats from Trump supporters. That's a mouthful for a headline, but that's what it says. So, this GOP Representative Brian Fitzpatrick is urging lawmakers and leaders on both sides of the aisle not to jump to conclusions on the FBI's unannounced search of Mar-a-Lago. Let's not jump to conclusions. He said he's checked with several former FBI colleagues to see if they were okay amid Republicans' verbal attacks on federal law enforcement. Fitzpatrick, now, wasn't it the Democrats that were talking about Uh, law enforcement being out of control and calling for people to rise up against them and defunding them and everything else. When, when the police were involved in righteous and justified lethal force encounters, it was another riot. And law enforcement doesn't do everything right all the time. Uh, The guy that was involved with the what kicked all that off was uh, what's his name, the crack dealer. Long history. It uh, it kicked everything off. Uh, what two years ago uh, turned into riots, and uh, they're calling for defunding the police. Now he was in the wrong, and guess what? He went to prison. When they act, when they're out of line, they're held accountable. they they go to prison. But uh, anyway. So Fitzpatrick, this is Brian Fitzpatrick, suggested new DHS and FBI bulletin was a top concern. It highlights an increase in targeted violent threats against officials, including federal, the federal judge who signed off on the Mar-a-Lago warrant. So this is what he says. I checked with, in, with several of my colleagues in the past few days uh, to make sure that they were okay. Uh, Every single elected official, every single leader needs to mind the weight of their words. Well, when asked if that meant Trump as well, the congressman affirmed it did. He says, I think everybody needs to be calling for calm, everybody across the board. Okay, fine. Uh, Trump hasn't been calling for an uprising. He's calling for accountability. But... He says, everybody needs to respect our law enforcement, whether they be local, state, or federal. Well, there is something said to be said about tyranny, and those that are willing to carry out tyranny and unlawfulness uh, aren't to be respected. They aren't. They're not deserving of respect. They're not acting respectful. When you act respectful then you get respect. When you act like a tyrant, or the tool of tyrants, you can expect not to have respect. But he says, I myself have been notified by the Bureau that my life was put in danger recently by some of these same people. Talking about Trump supporters. And it's, violence is never the answer to anything. That's, That's an interesting statement. Violence is never the answer to anything. Now, I would agree, violence is an absolute last resort. But when somebody comes into your home and they attack you and lunge lunge at you with a knife, when somebody walks into the restaurant you're eating in with your family and pulls out a gun and starts shooting randomly, rapid firing, when a woman is walking down the street and a man lunges at her from a dark alley and grabs her and takes her down, violence is the only answer sometimes. Now, I'm not saying the attack, uh, the, the attack, the raid on Mar-a-Lago, and this, that, that's not something where you are in imminent danger and you know requires violence. But I, I do also think... Well, I absolutely disagree with the statement that violence is never the answer to anything. This is a Republican congressman who, if he's been in office for any length of time, has voted to approve violent action against uh, enemies. Afghanistan, Iraq. I mean, I haven't looked at his voting record, but all of this was approved by Congress. They've approved violence as a, an extension of the, the execution of political will. They're, they're sending billions of dollars and weapons to Ukraine. Is that so they, they can lean against them while they're using harsh language against the Russians? Sometimes violence is the answer, and sometimes it's the only answer. So there comes a point when, for the Jews, when they were rounded up in the Warsaw Ghetto, and they were being summarily executed, their only hope of getting out of there alive was by the use of violence for some of them. But he goes on to say, He warned democracy itself could become unraveled if the country, if in the country, if disrespect continues to grow for American institutions. Listen to this. Democracy itself could become unraveled in the country if disrespect continues to grow for American institutions. First of all, democracy does not uh, promote respect. Now, there's a democratic process within our republic, but democracy in and of itself breeds disrespect. It will invariably, naturally, become unraveled. And the reason why the uh, disrespect continues to grow for American institutions is because the American institutions are ran by corrupt people. people are not angry at the american institutions just for the sake of being angry at an american institution these american institutions are become they've become part of the machination for tyranny so he says i just want to urge all my colleagues and we've seen just disrespect across the political spectrum which i mentioned with local law enforcement with the supreme court now federal law enforcement none of it is okay none of it All right, when you act like a Marxist, you're not worthy of respect. When you are acting anti-American, when you are subverting American principles and our heritage, you don't get respect. Matter of fact, we don't get along, go along just to get along and march ourselves right into ovens. Or right onto rail cars, or right off a cliff with which is where they're trying to take America. They are subverting America and Americans should not be okay with that. Now I believe that violence is an absolute last resort only after you have completely exhausted all other recourse. But even the founding fathers who did not use force and violence and rise up until it was a last resort. Except for some isolated cases, isolated incidents, which you might see even today. Some isolated incidents, but collectively, and I don't use that term like the Marxists do. I'm saying as a body of patriots have not come together to organize a violent resistance as a ultimate last resort. Because... They're still trying to exhaust all peaceful measures. And that's how most people feel. But that is waning thin right now because the tyrant's not backing up. And matter of fact, they're accelerating. And this isn't anything new. You go back just a, a few years, the New American covered uh, Christians are extremists like Al Qaeda, the U.S. Army taught the troops, taught U.S. troops this. Under the administration of the 44th president, who shall not be named, the Department of Defense was caught training U.S. troops that Catholics, Orthodox Jews, and Evangelical Christians are to be considered, quote-unquote, religious extremists, even equating the major religions representing more than half of Americans with truly violent groups, such as Al-Qaeda, Ku Klux Klan, and Hamas terrorist groups. After the explosive revelations hit the headlines, outrage promptly issued. Now critics are calling for an immediate public apology, apology to the soldiers exposed. And this was back in, I think it was like 2008, uh, 2000, 2008, 2009. I can't remember when it was, but this is part of a so-called equal opportunity training course presented to the U S army reserves in Pennsylvania. And I've seen this in in out in other uh, elements of the U.S. military as well. So uh, I want to talk, you know, quickly about patriots being terrorists. There's a an article at American Heritage, and it's titled "Patriots or Terrorists?" question mark And they're talking about the founding fathers and the the troops. Uh, being hunted down as as terrorists, as subversives, as traitors. So, I'm going to just read this real quickly from this article. No evidence exists that British explicitly intended the deaths of so many of their captives. Previously, the article was talking about how many POWs had died in captivity. Still, they had often threatened to hang every American taken in arms against the crown the crown after the debacle at lexington and concord in april of 1775 followed by the their pyric victory at bunker hill in june his majesty's forces in america were out for blood impatient as a captain on the king's own regiment put it to scourge the rebellion with rods of iron even if it meant almost extirp- extirpating the present rebellious race The green light for a war of extirpation would come in August of 1775 when the king issued a proclamation for suppressing rebellion and sedition, which enjoined his loyal subjects throughout the realm to put down all traitorous conspiracies and attempts against us, our crown and dignity. Parliament finished the job in March 1777 by adopting North's Act, which suspended habeas corpus and authorized the prosecution of captured rebels for treason or piracy as circumstances required. Not surprisingly, the officials charged with care and feeding of prisoners in New York, Joshua Loring, commissary of military prisoners, and David Sprout, commissary of naval prisoners, were at best indifferent to their charges' fate. Why pamper traitors on their way to the gallows? they ask. Every time General George Washington protested, moreover, his British counterparts, especially Generals Sir William Howe and Sir Henry Clinton, denied any wrongdoing, which of course is what they're going to do, even when presented with irrefutable evidence that their Provost Marshal, Captain William Cunningham, beat and starved prisoners for his own sadistic, sadistic amusement. Parliament suspended habeas corpus and authorized the prosecution of captured rebels for treason and piracy. So what's happening to the prisoners, the political prisoners uh, that were arrested from being at the Capitol on January 6th? It's the same thing. It's just history rhymes. And we're seeing the same, the same things happen again. Now, I have my, uh, not the Patriots Bible, the Founders Bible. I have one of each. And this one is produced, printed by wall builders. And I just want to share some of the. I'm going to go back and revisit our heritage here. These men that were labeled as terrorists, seditionists, rebels, worthy of hanging if caught. Let's talk about Samuel Adams. And let me tell you if this is just some dirt bag off the street a trailer trash guy waving a rebel flag doesn't really have anything to live for. Anyway, while serving in the state legislature before the revolution, Samuel Adams became a leader in opposition to British tyranny in 1772. He helped form the committees of correspondence, a pony express communication system that enabled patriots to share messages and coordinate actions with those in other areas. Sent to the First Continental Congress in 1774, he was crucial in helping delegates overcome their religious differences to unite together and open Congress with prayer, something they did every day thereafter. Two years later, he signed the Declaration of Independence and then helped draft America's first national government under the Articles of Confederation. He also helped write the original Massachusetts Constitution in 1780 the only Constitution in the world still in use today that is older than the U.S. Constitution. His opposition to the U.S. Constitution, because of its failure to secure individual liberty, uh, individual and states' rights from the intrusion of the federal government, helped secure the addition of a Bill of Rights, which we are very grateful for. He was lieutenant governor under Governor John Hancock, and then became governor. For his unparalleled leadership, he is titled the father of the American Revolution. An outspoken Christian, he frequently called citizens to times of prayer and fasting and prayer and thanksgiving. Another one of his uh, contemporaries, Jonathan Mayhew. Actually, let me take you to the, uh, the other one that I wanted to uh, read next. And again, this is from my Founder's Bible, on pages 422, and it's referencing, this is placed in this Bible in Judges, and it's in response to this historical, American historical relevance here to this scripture in Judges 17.6, which says, Every man did what was right in his own eyes. Just do whatever you want, right? It's all about you. So, the producers of this Bible, the Founders Bible, uh, added this here in this section, because it relates to uh, the scripture in judges. He says, John Adams, the second president of the United States, stated, democracy will soon degenerate into anarchy, such an anarchy that every man will do what is right in his own eyes and no man's life or property or reputation or liberty will be secure. And every one of these will soon mold itself into a system of subordination of all the moral virtues and intellectual abilities, all the power of wealth, beauty, wit, and science, to the wanton pleasures, the capricious will, and the execrable cruelty of one or a very few. And... It remind this statement here. I was reminded of this statement when I read uh, this uh, representative talking about our democracy is going to be in peril, you know, with this uh, with this rhetoric they were hearing in response to the FBI. And then finally, on page 460, in uh, which is actually in the book of First Samuel 15. 23, which is, uh, this relates to the scripture says, because you have rejected the word of the Lord. That's that uh, that scripture that says that first Samuel 15, 23. Well, on the same page down in the lower corner, they put something in here that's relevant to that scripture or how scripture influenced one of our founding fathers. This one here is In 1765, Jonathan Mayhew, a congressional minister and distinguished Dudleyan lecturer at Harvard, stated regarding King George III's dreaded Stamp Act. This is what he said. The king is as much bound by his oath not to infringe the legal rights of the people as the people are bound to yield subjection to him. From whence it follows... That as soon as the prince sets himself above the law, he loses the king in the tyrant. He does, to all intents and purposes, unking himself. And I think this is really applicable to the statement that we have to respect, no matter what, we have to respect local, state, and federal law enforcement, no matter what. Well, when you become unrespectable, you, you lose that right when you act in a tyrannous way. You unking yourself, and that's what our founding fathers believed. Uh, I believe that that government is established by the Lord. Romans thirteen states that, and we are to submit to the government. And it says why? It says because the government there is there to punish the wicked and uphold and defend the righteous. Now, when there's an inversion in the government then becomes a tyrant and starts to persecute the righteous and uphold and defend the wicked, they have unkinged themselves. And that's why the people in America are so pissed. And the tyrant is, is acting like a victim now. They're acting like their feelings are hurt, how people can be so incensed and so outraged. They've done it to themselves. They have brought the people to this point. So there is a peaceful solution, and that's what we hope and that's what we pray for. But if they choose to continue with tyranny and lies and deception and cover-ups and the robbing of wealth from the American people, uh, the people at some point are going to feel that they've exhausted all peaceful recourse. God forbid we get to that point. So that's why you're starting to hear the rumblings that you're hearing out there. So fix it while you still can. We'll be right back. Prepared to defend yourself in the dark? A weapon light helps you identify and even deter threats in low light. But it can be difficult to find a secure and comfortable holster. At Works, we design and build holsters for Glock and Six Hour pistols with lights. Our precision fit holsters will help you carry with confidence so you're ready to defend yourself day and night. Go to Worksholsters.com, find your gun and light in our holster finder, select your preferred carry style, and order your holster today. Hi, everyone. This is John Jacob Schmidt, here to tell you about the 299 Days book series by lawyer and author Glenn Tate. Follow him through his real-life story of transitioning from middle-aged, unprepared suburbanite to full-blown prepper, tactical team member, and provider and protector of his family. Then, let Glenn take you on a wild ride through the collapse, community building, resistance against a corrupt system, and the rebirth of a new one. Go to 299days.com to learn more. Segment three, Patriots. This is Radio Free Redoubt. Uh, you can always contact me at John Jacob at radiofreeredoubt.com. Uh, thank you guys for your prayers and your support. You know, on that last, before we get into the communications subject, you know, I was thinking about uh, a interview, or it was a line of questioning with uh, Texas, uh, Texas Congressman, Chip Roy, and they were really pressing hard about, what are you really saying about the Second Amendment? Uh, why why are weapons of war needed? Why AR-15s? I can't remember how it was worded. I, I meant to go and pull that audio to put in tonight's show, but I couldn't find it in time. But, you know, finally it came down to him saying, you know, these weapons are necessary to to defend against tyranny. He said, that's what they're for. That's the whole purpose of the Second Amendment is to defend against tyranny. And, of course, they're just, well, oh, 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 tyranny. Look, it is it is an absolute, dangerously false statement to say violence is never the answer to anything. Because after you have exhausted all peaceful measures... When violence is necessary, it is the only option at that time. Uh, When you have to use violence, it is the only thing for the situation. So anyway, I'll I'll try to find that audio clip at some point. But, you know, I wanted to uh, talk about communications. We're at Amcon 4. We're big into emergency communications. We want to be there for our communities and for our country to help share information and... uh, uh, keep each other informed and, you know, welfare traffic, you know, the grid goes down just like the situation I'm going to talk about, you know, is grandma okay? She's, you know, in two States away. Uh, you know, she, she needs medication. She's in a walker, you know, or my, my college student is five States away. Uh, are they okay? How can you check that's called welfare check, tra- welfare traffic, checking on somebody or reporting in, you know, uh, your, you go to, your spouse goes to, uh, I don't know, say a women's retreat, uh, in four, three or four states away, the other end of the country and something happens where you're instantly grid down, no communications, you know, how can you check on them or how can they let you know they're okay, they're safe, they're at a, uh, somebody's home or they're at the church we got a ham radio operator there, helping to uh, send messages out to let folks know that they're okay. So anyway, uh, we are at AmCon four right now with the real world uh, things going on. Uh, AmCon five is the lowest level. There's absolutely nothing on the horizon that looks like it could take communications out for anyone. Uh, we're good to go. Well, we're we're, at, we're up a notch to AmCon four. Just because of the continued stability, there's there's an increased possibility that we could face a, a uh, disruptive event, uh, which could of course could happen at any time. Uh, we were at AmCon two earlier in the year, but uh, right now we're just watchful. Okay, so last weekend we had an activation alert exercise, and something we put out uh, the week prior saying in. In the next 10 days, in the next this 10-day window, an activation alert could be called at any time, so be ready. Well, that was put out last uh, Wednesday at 10 p.m. Pacific time, 1 p.m. Eastern time. And essentially, everyone was told, just get on the air and follow instructions. So this was a top-down training exercise where the signals centers, or SIGSENs, on each coast, uh, one on the East Coast, one in the Pacific Northwest, puts out an IES, a Initial Event Summary. In other words, you're sharing everything you know at the moment when people are looking to you as a net control operator for answers. And uh, also, we're usually news junkies and we're tracking stuff going on anyway. A lot of people, they're working or they have busy lives. They haven't really been tracking, say, this buildup to this event over the last few days. Uh, And uh, now we're seeing the culmination of something that we saw could possibly cause something and then snap your communications, cell phones, internet, everything's off. So Your net control station operators generally are tracking current events. They're most likely going to be learning something. And also, they're communications junkies. They've got shortwave radios. They've got ham radio, HF, VHF for local stuff. Uh, They might have satellite communications. Um, They're really plugged into a lot of different nets and a lot of sources for information, even in a grid down situation. So they're most likely going to have more information than the average person. The average citizen. So we put out an initial event summary just to let everyone know, hey, this is all I know at this point, And here's the net schedule. Here's where you can tune into the next net as we gather more information. So this was just to disseminate that across the net, across the country as widely as possible. Both of those SIGSENs putting out their initial event summary. Uh, as a practice, for everybody to relay traffic down to their regional and then down to local nets to disseminate to the people in their nets. Uh, In future exercises, it will be a bottom up. So we won't be putting out an initial event summary to disseminate to the masses. We'll be taking uh, status reports from all the stations uh, that are on the air and available at the time to give us a snapshot of what's going on on the ground at their location. I, do you have power? Do you have cell phone? Do you have uh, roads that are passable or not? And uh, they pass a status report, and that will tr- that will go from the bottom up to the net control stations and then to the SIGSENs where they'll use that information to compile a more comprehensive situation report that they can disseminate widely. So that's what that was about. Uh, it was a very successful. Uh, For those who even considered it a failure, they learned so much about their equipment, about the process, about going to their signals operating instructions. Uh, They they became more familiar with their uh, signals operating instructions. They became more familiar with their equipment and realized they identified things that didn't work like they imagined or hoped it would. And so they fixed their generator or they replaced the fuse. Uh, They address things that will help them in the future. So uh, quickly, I just want to address something, a real world situation. Back in January, we had uh, this uh, major uh, Hunga Tonga uh, volcano. It's a submarine volcano. So it's under the ocean. Uh, it wasn't, didn't happen up on land, but it exploded. And it brought down communications to and from Tonga. The RNZ Pacific reverted to shortwave to reach the isolated island nation. Now, you can read this whole article over at publicmediaalliance.org. Go down to find their January article. And they ran a couple of articles. But this is, you know, shortwave radio. You need to have tactical radio communications. That means close in personal. You're you're coordinating with your neighbors. Hey, are you okay over there? Oh, we need a doctor. Uh, You know, you're... Uh, hey my, my truck broke down I don't have a jack you know can can you bring me a jack so I can change my my tire you know that's that's uh, within your community you're sharing information hey we could use another radio operator here at 10 uh, this guy uh, his wife got hurt and, and so he can't make it uh, yeah I'll be there I'll cover from from 10 to uh, 4 a.m uh, And, uh, you know, I'll be at the fairgrounds or at the emergency operations center, whatever it is. That's all tactical communications. Uh, Your operational communications are, you know, reaching outside of your community, uh, sharing information across your region. Maybe your state and the states surrounding you. And uh, you're sharing information and coordinating with each other there that's where shortwave radio comes in regional and even national or international communications that's what they were left with at uh it's uh hunga tonga hunga hapai is what it's called so i'll just call it tonga so in january in tonga a submarine volcano exploded the eruption badly damaged the international high speed subsea cable that's a that fiber optic cable that runs cables that run all over the ocean. Now, in this case, it was a volcano that disrupted it. It could be an earthquake that disrupts these cables. And they, they are also uh, they will be targeted in uh, an all-out kinetic war, say China, Russia, China, US, uh, Taiwan, China gets invaded, China invades Taiwan. Uh, The first thing they do is they start cutting off fiber optic uh, cables uh, with weapons that are designed specifically for that. And it's no secret where they all are laying on the ocean floor. So uh, that would throw Taiwan's lifeline to the outside world. It'd cut it off instantly. So any type of uh, conflict, you could expect that to be disrupted. That's going to leave you with essentially... uh, radio communications, and of course, satellite communications as well. But in a wartime situation, they have weapons designed to disrupt satellite communications by jamming their signals or by taking those out altogether. So it's something, and this is kind of interesting here. The island kingdom was cut off. It was several days before jury-rigged comms were restored. Getting information out of Tonga was next to impossible. But thanks to shortwave, RNZ Pacific, that's a Radio New Zealand, was able to broadcast vital information into the country. You see that? They're able to get information into the country. But to get information out, like to give a status report, or we have hospitals are overflowed here, or we need a doctor, we need surgeons, we need, you know, this landing strip is secure and uh It's been inspected. You can land here. There's no way to get that information out except for HF radio. And then this article goes on to say, it may seem strange to be talking about shortwave this far into the 21st century. Shortwave conjures up images of 1930s style wood paneled radios jammed with vacuum tubes, receiving programs broadcast from colonial capitals. Well, that is kind of the image that's conjured up in a lot of people's minds. But uh, the radios that we use are pretty advanced electronics. Uh, they're, they're very, very capable radios. And you got to have two-way communications. It's good that they're, be able, they're able to transmit into Tonga. And they were playing uh, cultural music and things that really can go a long way to help people feel comforted and calm which is important. In their other article, publicmediaalliance.org, they said, covering the Tongan tsunami from abroad with no communications. I want to share this with you uh, because it kind of triggered another thought, another component to Amron. But then it went silent, eerily silent. No more live feeds from Tonga. The last reports were of a thick black blanket of ash We're now covering every single fail, which is a house. In the early days, it was difficult to provide the correct information to our listeners and wider community, but Pacific Media Network was able to respond. What is now known, confirmed by reports from NASA, is that the volcanic eruption spewed ash 61 kilometers high into the atmosphere, triggering a tsunami that affected other surrounding Pacific nations, and even causing damage to boats along the shores of the west coast, uh, Aotearoa, New Zealand. What we weren't prepared for was the magnitude of damage the underwater volcanic eruption caused to the only internet cable connecting us to our families. So, uh, once again, this is an initial event summary. This is where you share everything that you know. NASA puts out information and... They also broadcast uh, national oceanographic uh, information. The NOAA has HF broadcasts with satellite imagery and news and things like that that ham radio operators can get to turn around and keep their communities informed. So when something like this happens and you're instantly without communications and you're experiencing tsunamis or need to be warned of them, uh, communications are vitally important. So our net control operators and our SIGSands are prepared to initially put together uh, at the onset of an event to put together an IES. It's a for, it's a formatted way of sharing everything that you know and to give them instructions for what to expect. Uh, you know, don't forget the next net is on this time, this frequency, and so forth. He said, "What we." Uh, Now that communications was cut off, how could one fully know the extent of damage to houses, agriculture, livestock, and especially the well-being and safety of our people? Once again, that's welfare traffic. How do you check on grandma? How do you check on your wife that's out of town on a, a women's retreat? How do you check on your college student that's out of town going to school? Loved ones you want to check in on, elderly parents, In the early days, it was difficult to provide the correct information to our listeners and wider community, but Pacific Media Network was able to respond. Our PMN Tonga language team, hosted by producer Filippo Motulalo and well known journalist, broadcaster, and TV personality John Pulu, were able to broadcast in the early morning hours directly after the tsunami. Whilst there was a communications blackout from Tonga, the PMN team was on the air speaking in Leah, uh, Lee Faka Tonga, that's the Tongan language, and playing traditional Tongan hymns, which was of great comfort for listeners who tuned in with earnest prayer and thoughts. A call for calm as Tongan communities united across the world, knowing full well there was no clear picture of the immediate impacts happening on the ground of Tonga. This reminded me of our uh, wide and growing network of, of Black Echo rebroadcasting stations, which some of you are actually listening to right now. If you're listening on an AM or FM station here on Sunday night, it is because of a Black Echo rebroadcasting station that's airing this as it's streaming. Uh, they have uh, the, the Black Echo operators have uh, low power FM and AM broadcast tr- uh, transmitters uh, that they have invested in to keep their communities informed just like these guys did there's so much to be said about supporting people the the psychological support the comfort and keeping people informed over and over we hear uh, these disasters and uh, outages where people are just as hungry for information as they are for food And our ham radio operators can reach a lot of people, but they can't reach everyone. But everyone has an FM or AM radio in their house or in their car to be able to tune in to stay informed. So our Black Echo operators, uh, they have podcasts, books on tape, music uh, that they've downloaded and built up pretty sizable libraries, and they have a microphone, and they can break in and give news updates and information. They can direct people to what channel to turn it onto their CBs or FRS radios, uh, to be able to call for help. And uh, so it's a way to keep people comforted, entertained, and informed in their communities in the time of an emergency. Uh, you can go to Ameron.com and type in Black Echo in the search box, and you'll find numerous postings and articles with resources uh, for our Black Echo operators, or learning how to become one and provide emergency communications, having your own radio station uh, right there in your neighborhood to keep people informed. Of course, you got to have a way of receiving information, at, and that's where the shortwave radio and ham radio comes in. So, that's about what I wanted to cover on that. We'll uh, go ahead and break and come back with Codename Segment Four. Lady Liberty is going to be joining me in the studio. She's going to be here any moment. So we'll talk to you on the other side of the break. This is Radio Free Redoubt. Greetings, Patriots. This is Chris Walsh, broker at Revolutionary Realty, located in the heart of America's Great Redoubt, Coeur Idaho. I sell land and backwoods cabins to America's Patriots every day. Creeks, springs, timber, and game good survivable property without natural disasters. The state of Idaho has a balanced budget, and our people believe deeply in the Second Amendment. Call me today at 208-667-1776, or visit me online at www.revrealty.us. I'll be glad to serve you, and God bless America. Welcome back to the fourth and final segment. I've got code name f- segment four in the studio. Lady Liberty, good evening.
1: Good evening. How are you doing? Well, excellent. How about you?
0: This interview is over.
1: <laughs> okay, I'm terrible. How about you? <laughs> <laughs> That's much better. All right. And all we have is bad news. So All right. Well, yeah.
0: it's it's all on you. So <laughs> this is your segment. I know you've been researching hard, and uh, you look like Linus over there on his piano on your laptop, just uh, <laughs> blazing away through all the, the news and sifting through everything. So, uh, well, so,
1: Linus is better than Pigpen, so I'll take it. <laughs>
0: yeah, so I'm Pigpen. <laughs> all right. So uh, what do you got for us this evening?
1: Well, okay, so so there's a couple different things here. We've got, I wanted to give a, a quick uh, rundown of something that happened on the 13th with True the Vote. They had an exclusive vital strategy session, mm-hmm. and what they basically were uncovering is extremely, extremely important to the nation. It says here that uh, one of the audience members is reporting on this, uh, whose name is Jordan Sather. And he says, it sounds like the CCP is incredibly deep in rigging our elections far more than most believe or understand. And he says, what a web of corruption that communists weave. No kidding. Well, and then he describes that uh, Greg and uh Catherine Engelbrecht told a detailed story about some of their findings that they haven't revealed publicly for their own safety, by the way. They gave the pit attendees the information and resources to continue digging and exposing this story. It involves foreign interference in local and state elections around the country. Wow! Names were named. They told us after the pit was done, which it is now, that we can blow it up, but we're all wondering what we should post and how we can do it with respect for Greg and Catherine's safety. And so, uh, that's, that is how pervasive this CCP involvement is apparently. Right. And there's also the, they list the companies that the CCP have used to get this accomplished. And so it says here, Catherine said they will work to post information about this story on their new website, which is if you if you want to grab a pen and piece of paper to write this down, that website is open dot Not link, ink. And so again, it's open dot And they should have that posted by Monday. It As says. in INC. I-N- oh right, exactly. I N K. Oh. Even more strange. <laughs> okay. Ink. As right. in and like like, like the what fluid. you write with, yep. Yes. Yeah, so open dot and uh, the citizen, the citizen journalists basically at the pit will be telling it within the coming days. Also, it will all get out there. And it says that many will be digging into the questionable company involved in this, that many have been rigging elections on behalf of the CCP. The company name, the primary company name is connec Inc., which is K-O-N-N-E-C-H incorporated and election management company based in michigan greg and Catherine said they stumbled across databases and software that linked this company directly into the ccp and there is a load of information about american election systems located on servers based in guess where wuhan china
0: oh wow i Uh, thought you were going to say ukraine for a minute there but i wouldn't be surprised if that's where their backup servers were
1: yeah, in yeah. in in that something. Okay, so just to repeat that one more time. The American election systems located on servers based in Wuhan, China. Oh my god. That is absolutely staggering. So after after finding out about this and going to the authorities, they were threatened. Now they want we the people to help them expose this story since the FBI is way too compromised to do anything. Yep. And so so, um, apparently, this problem is that there are some there are some counties and states around the country where this company's software and products are still in use. And we have midterm elections coming up in just, well, less than 88 days now. Yep. This company also does business in other countries like Australia. So oh, imagine uh, that. Yeah, exactly. Look at how much control China has over those guys. Right. Right? Also, this is possibly likely... One company of many tied to the CCP running elections around America, Dominion was just one of them. Wow! And and so, oh my goodness, there were there were journalists from the Epic Times, One America News, Right Side Broadcasting Network, and the Gateway Pundit, and those were the only news outlets uh, that that provided journalists that were basically brave enough to report about what was happening here with this
0: at this time we've got fbi putting out warnings of domestic extremist activity based on the trump supporters anger over false accusations of voter fraud
1: right yeah, yeah, and
0: weaponizing the FBI. I mean, it, it's like to another level.
1: Well, and so the interesting part here that Sydney Powell had already revealed on her website, Defender, defendingtherepublic.org, yep. If you if you went to her site uh, under the section titled videos you have to scroll back you have to scroll back about 8 pages on her videos page but you can go back and watch it yourself the Clint Curtis story called murder spies and voting lies yep. that's posted on Rumble you could either watch it on her site right there or you can watch that on Rumble and and he describes he was the first one to actually create an electronic voting system manipulator and his boss was Chinese. His boss was Chinese and her brother had been, uh, uh, prosecuted in the U S as a, as a Chinese spy. Wow. And so this does go back to 2000. He, he did that. Clint Curtis did that for that company in the year 2000. And so that is actually the very primary, uh, time that we've ever heard of Chinese having anything to do with fraudulent elections. Right. And so now it's coming out through True the Vote. And it says here, uh, also Jordan Sather is saying, there's been quite the silence from the mainstream media and their their journalist shills about the pit. He said, Carrie Lake spoke there, Dr. Peter McCullough, Greg and Catherine, Epic Times, O A N N R S B N. We're covering it, and 150 plus prominent election fraud activists and social media posters were in attendance. All the names that MSM loves to hate. Yes. And so the fact that it was just silence from the mainstream media just shows it more or less that they're complicit.
0: Yes, they are. Yep. They're in. On, they are. They're collaborators with communist Chinese. That's right. With a foreign government that is. Uh, actively working to overthrow our government, right? And treason.
1: Yes, I mean all Absolute of this treason. is so is so deeply entrenched. I mean, the Chinese to find out that our enemy is so deeply entrenched in election manipulation and fraud. I, I it's, it's staggering.
0: They're providing evidence from what our instincts told us.
1: Yep, exactly. Yep. Yep, and and because they're strategic wonders, apparently, <laughs> you know, uh, they, they're, they're blowing me away left and right as far as their, their circumference around the whole world right. and, and usurping the UN even. And, and so the other thing that I wanted to talk about quickly before we're out of time is, is what is happening with Trump. And the interesting part of this is that, uh, well, I have I have uh, James Comey's report here when he was starting to investigate those thirty thousand fraudulent emails, not fraudulent, but um, possibly classified emails that Hillary Clinton had oh, yes. on her servers, right? <laughs> okay, so so James Comey is giving his report and listen here to how. This report reads, you're going to suddenly recognize why I decided to bring this up. Okay, so he starts with, so first, what we have done. This is James Comey, uh, FBI director, right? Says, the investigation began as a referral from the Intelligence Community Inspector General in connection with Secretary Clinton's use of a personal email server during her time as Secretary of State. The referral focused on whether classified information was transmitted on that personal system. Our investigation looked at whether there is evidence classified information was improperly stored or transmitted on that personal system. In violation of a federal statute, making it a felony to mishandle classified information, either intentionally or in a grossly negligent way, Or a second statute, making it a misdemeanor to knowingly remove classified information from appropriate systems or storage facilities. Consistent with our counterintelligence responsibilities, we have also investigated to determine whether there is evidence of computer intrusion in connection with the personal email server by any foreign power or other hostile actors. And so... Does that sound familiar? Oh, boy. And yep. how, how very interesting that we know that Biden is incompetent and, and incapable of being a president or running a country or having an agenda. Right. And, and to know that Hillary holds grudges. Oh, yeah. One, she hates Russia. Any chance she's ever going to have to get back at Russia, she's going to do it. Yep. We also know. She hates Trump. Yep. Any chance she ever has to get back at Trump, she's going to do it. And I would have to say this has all sorts of indicators as to who would have been pushing this from the White House. That's right. And if if somebody has got a vendetta against you for having you and your emails investigated because they might have classified information. Right. And if you're wanting to serve that and smack that right back to the person that started that... Wouldn't this be perfectly aligned with that intent?
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's got this silhouette in the shape of Hillary right over top (laughs) of this, is not it?
1: Yeah. She's standing behind the curtain, but unfortunately somebody turned the light on behind her, right? Right. (laughs) 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 Wow. And so I just find that to be very, very interesting. Yep. In addition the uh, the guy who was the attorney who served as chief of of staff for the secretary of defense under the Trump administration Kash Patel he has done he has done trump some some real justice in in defending him in his show Kash Patel has has a, a a television show on through epic times and there's an interview here with him as well as several others called special report behind the Trump raid at epictimes.com And he's saying in this video that right now, where are the public defenders in America? Where's the liberal left who care about due process and blind justice now? That's right. Where's the ACLU, right? Yep. They, they're so concerned about justice and equal representation for everybody. Where are they now? And so uh, you, you just really, you can't have a two tiered, Justice system, That's right. and and so he Cash Patel was describing what this whole thing is with the National Archive deal because Trump had declassified tons of documents that he said that he wanted the American public to have full access to. Well, apparently, instead of giving those documents over to the public, there was all sorts of bureaucratic intervention that ended up sending them to the National Archives instead, which oh, should never have been where done. Where could get lost. Yeah, and they should never have been there in the first place. And so Kash Patel was the one that was sent as the representative of those documents to find out, where are they? Give right. them to me. Those need to be given to the public. And they, he said they gave him the total runaround saying, oh, well, we... we we didn't get all of those yet and, and some of them got sent off to the Department of Justice and and all of this other nonsense which is can't be done. That was an right. order given by the legal president at the time he was still in his term. There's no possible way that what they did was legal. And so Or
0: inadvertent. Right, exactly. Yeah. And
1: because that he said he said that doesn't happen. When, when presidents declassified things, it doesn't go to the National Archives. Right. And, and so um, he's making a very clear case as to what has happened there as being totally, totally out of place.
0: Outstanding. Wow, that is a great report and great updates. And thanks for the insight and the extra research. Oh yeah, no problem. No, you bet. Yeah, that's some eye-opening stuff.
1: Well, it is, and um, one last thing that I wanted to point out in that same report from the Epic Times is at about eight minutes, uh, Trump's attorney Christina Bob is. I would like for all of you to listen to her argument right there. I think she's uh, taking the losing argument right at about eight minutes, and uh, so if you watch that, I mean, I think we we might want to watch that attorney extremely closely. Yeah. And uh, because I, if I would not have taken that argument myself because I see the argument that she placed there as the losing argument.
0: Oh, boy. And
1: so I'm hoping that's not a bad indicator as to he got the wrong attorney big right. time. Hopefully that's not the case, but it looks like it Let's from hope. there.
0: All right. Well, uh, thank you once again for that. You want to say uh, adieu?
1: absolutely. All of you, thank you for joining us this evening, and uh, you're all in our prayers, and we love you all, and we just want you all to be on the very cutting edge of all the truth, and again, thank you for joining us this evening.
0: All right, guys. This is the voice of the American Redoubt. You have a blessed and a safe week out there, and uh, keep good situational awareness. Keep your batteries topped off, your fuel, and uh, just be... Looking alive. All right, this is John Jacob Schmidt. Good night.